Hello, guys, and thank you for listening and watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. I am so excited to bring this word today. It is a timely word for the the season and the, the climate that we're in right now, but it is a powerful word. And Jesus want me to let you know that he came to destroy the works of the devil and to set the captives free. But we have to be willing to listen with a humble heart, with a receptive heart, and allow the Holy Spirit to do a circumcision in our hearts today. So I'm super excited. And I know you've seen from the title, Exposing the Imposter. Exposing. God wants to expose the enemy today. So this word came to me. Um, typically, I get my downloads around Thursday. God started pouring in, you know, in my spirit what he wants me to teach or minister. And the title of this uh, this word is going to be Exposing the Imposter. We're going to expose the enemy for who he really is. And then we're going to go in deep. God has highlighted a few things to me, right? He's highlighted a few things that he wanted me to like hone in on. There's a lot of tricks and schemes and scams and plots of the enemy, but it's four particular uh, bullet points that he wants me to hone in on. So he says, expose the imposter. There are four types that I will be speaking about today as the Holy Spirit gave me, right? Of course, there's more, but he's highlighting these four specific bullet points. We're going to be highlighting today the spirit of religion. And even though we talked about this in the, the other teaching that I did on the revelation of the kingdom of God, which is very powerful, and I would implore you to actually go listen to that as you would understand how the kingdom of God operates and what it's really all about. And it's not about religion. So he wants me to hone in on the spirit of religion, false teachers, double-mindedness, and the spirit of manifestation. The spirit of manifestation. God says to chop the head off, to pluck it out, to pull it down because it has no place in the body of Christ. It has no place in the kingdom of God, right? The Bible says the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. So we are overcomers, right? We are overcomers because we are in Christ. But a lot of things are disguised as Jesus or as being a Christian, but it's not really the things of God, it's really the enemy disguising himself as that angel of light. According to second Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible talks about the enemy's masquerading as an angel of light and also his workers masquerading as workers of righteousness, right? So we want to pull the covers off. We want to unveil. We want to begin to look deep into the things of the spirit and begin to see the enemy for who he really is, you know, and then I believe God is so gracious and so merciful because he will meet us right where we are. The Bible says there is no temptation that has taken us, but that which is common to man. But when we are tempted, he does provide a way of escape. So God has always provided a way of escape for his people, always. Why? Because he loves us, because he, he loves us so much. And it's by the blood of Jesus and by the, by Christ, that we're even able to stand in the presence of God. It's not by works lest any man should boast, but it is by the might and the blood of Jesus and the the the, the work on the cross that was that was done for us. And we have to really get that in our spirits. We have to really know that. Otherwise, we'll think it's all about works. It's all about if I'm good, if I'm repenting, if I'm doing this and that. And yes, that is a part of it, right? But that's not all of it. Because we know that anything that erases the blood of Jesus or erases the work at the cross is not of God. You just cut off the whole uh, uh, teaching of grace when you erase the blood of Jesus and you think it's by works. This is why it's vitally important that you know the love of God. Because if you know the love of God, you'll know that what he did on the cross was an act of love. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we have to know that we don't want to look at our daddy God as being a ruler with an iron fist. Although he is a God of vengeance and he, he is a God that you want to have a reverential fear, you know. But at the same time, he does not want to be looked at as this God that is up in heaven ready to strike you down, right? 
So we have to look at it through the lens of Christ and through the lens of grace and through the lens of, of love. Because when you love someone, you just want to do right by them, right? That's how it works. It's not a do, do, do thing. So let's look at this. Let's go in, right? Let's go in. Let's expose the enemy for who he really is. So let's look at the, um, the four bullet points here that God has given me, right? The first thing I want to hone in on, guys, is the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion. Because I, re I realized that that was Jesus' biggest opposition, right? When he was walking the earth. The spirit of religion was his biggest opposition. He came against that spirit head on, right? And he had to pull that thing down. Because that spirit of religion had people so in an area of, 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 of works, of flesh, right? So let's get into it. The spirit of religion, we see this in the Sadducees and the Pharisees and their characteristics. And we know that the Sadducees and the Pharisees had these characteristics. They were wealthy guys, right? They had a lot of influence over people um, and, and, and they believe in the Mosaic law and they walked in, 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 in the Old Testament teachings. But they walked in the Old Testament teachings, not in the way that was still pleasing to God. They walked in the Old Testament teachings as to try to get other people to uh, live up to something that they themselves weren't living up to, right? So God wants to hone in on that because I believe that that spirit of religion wants to um, uh, straightjacket you, right? I remember when I first got saved back in 2000, and I tell you, when you first get saved as a new believer in Christ, you don't really know what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be, at least me. Let me speak for me. You don't really know, okay, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. You know, the only thing I knew was to get in the word of God and to pray. So as I came into, you know, the maturation of my walk with the Lord, I realized years later that and, and not a long time. I just realized that God does the work on the inside and then he begins to do the work on the outside. This is why you can't look at how a person dress or the mannerisms or not the mannerisms, but the way that a person dress or the type of practices or the things that they believe. Because what God does when you first get saved, he begins to do a work in your heart first. He cleans you on the inside first and then it manifests itself on the outside. That's how it works in the kingdom. The, the world would say, uh, clean yourself up on the outside, but then in, on the inside, your heart is rotten and it's filthy. That's not the way the kingdom of God works. So God starts to work on the heart. He starts to do a circumcision on your heart, right? So he wants to clean out all that religion and all those ideologies and all those things that you grew up with, right? So he wants me to, speaking of growing up, he wants me to hone in on that type of thing as far as religion is concerned. So let's uh, talk about it. So here are some characteristics, right? Because religion will have you to miss the grace of God. It will have you to miss the kingdom of God if you operate in religion. So religious spirits have some characteristics. God says he's going to highlight some of these characteristics so that you can recognize. Now, it's not all, but it's just a few things that we see continuously with the spirit of religion. So the religion, the spirit of religion is uh, one of the characteristics would be it operates uh, with an absence of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus that washed away your sin. So this is the power source, right? You, you can't have the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. And if you notice, people that operate in the spirit of religion, more times than not, eliminates the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is the, the source to empower you to live holy, but is yet always absent with religious spirits. Um, they tell you things like how the wrath of God is going to take you out or judge you, but not provide balance to the word as the way of escape. Because God always provides a way of escape. Even when he sends prophets to prophesy, you know, judgment on the land, he always provides a way of escape. Because if it's not his will that any should perish, but all come into the knowledge of the truth, why wouldn't he provide you a way of escape? But what the religious spirit does is it always has an absence of the power of the Holy Spirit to change you. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, they would tell you how the wrath of God is going to take you out or judge you, but not provide balance 
access to the word as a way of escape. If it is God's will for people not to perish, then a loving God will provide instructions on the how, right? And direct you and lead you to the path of righteousness. Because that's his will for you not to perish. There is no sin that isn't forgivable other than blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, right? So we know that um, it's not a do-do-do. Like you need to, to, to watch out constantly. You need to walk like this. And, you know, it's just so many things that that spirit would unleash on people, right? To the point where you think you're walking in a straitjacket. That you think that, what's the sense of being saved? I can't do nothing, right? I can't do nothing. I can't go nowhere. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I'm going to get into that in my next teaching. You don't want to miss that one. But it's like walking in a straitjacket. And walking with the Lord shall be a joy. It shall be peaceful. It's, it's, it should be joyful. It, shall be, it, it should be a place where you're walking in so much love and compassion and you knowing that you were accepted in the arms of the beloved. You know that you are loved, you know, because that spirit religion, it, it's an absence of love that is missing when that spirit is unleashed on you. It's an absence of a real connection with the people of God. Those that really have a heart for the kingdom of God has a heart for God's people, not just in word only, right? Where you can, you can say, I love you, but there's no real connection to the people of God. It's just the, you better get right and repent thing, right? There has to be a connection because God loves people. And if you love God, you love what he loves. And there's a compassion and it exudes through your spirit. It's not in word only. It's not in word only. I can tell you, I love you and be as cold as I'll get out, right? So we want to know that's one of the things God highlighted. So there's an absence of the Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment to help you to live right. You can't live right on your own. It's, it's not about just go and repent. Because if you tell somebody to go and repent, but you don't tell them that the love of God, will, the Holy Spirit will empower them, the grace of God will empower them to help them to live the life that they need to live. And the blood of Jesus qualifies you. It's not by works lest any man should boast. So it's not a works thing. And the spirit of religion would have you to think it's a works thing because what it wants to do is to cut off the very relationship you have with the Father. And that's one of the ways you cut off your divine connection with the, with the, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You implement religion, you just cut him off. So now you're doing a works thing and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God ain't nowhere in that. So you have to be very careful that you doesn't, you don't, feed into the spirit of religion that will try to tell you to repent but doesn't bring balance to the word, right? You have to bring balance to the word because if not, people are left, baby Christians, especially people that don't really know God and just starting this, this journey out, they don't really know, okay? So then you'll go to um, um, the spirit, of, you know, God's grace is sufficient and his love is immeasurable, it's very important that you know that you are loved when it comes to this stuff, when it comes to the word of God. You have to know that you are loved, that you are accepted into the arms of the beloved. Okay, so God wanted me to hone in on, and I'm going to be dealing with double-mindedness. I'm going to be dealing with these spirits because these spirits will love nothing more than to keep you tossed to and fro and to keep you going back and forth, back and forth. And ultimately what it would do is, oh man, this is too hard. I can't do this. When that's not the way God really intended for it to happen. I know growing up in a religious church, in a Baptist church as a child, I, I knew of God and I thank God for the foundation because that's what gave me the foundation of who Jesus was. But it did not give me an idea of what a relationship, a personal relationship with God was all about. And that's vitally important because you can have a knowledge of something, but not be walking with the knowledge of what you know about. So a good example, the Bible says that you believe there is a demon. Good. I mean, you believe there is a God. Good. Demons believe that and they shudder too. So it's not enough to just have a belief that you know God. That's not enough. Because the demons believe that God exists as well, obviously, because they would not uh, be cast out by his word. They know the word better than some Christians, right? So it's not enough to just have a belief system. 
but you have to have a knower, a connection with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that comes not just by way of escaping hell, by just repenting. That comes in with a love in the blood of Jesus that you know you are loved because Jesus took that punishment for you. You know you are loved because while you were sinners, Christ died. So that means while we was out acting like the devil in the blue dress and, and cutting up, God had already taken for us what we should have had as a punishment. So once you come into the kingdom of God and you repent and you come into the full knowledge of who he is, there begins to be a transformation happening in your heart, which is a circumcision. And God will be, begin to deal with you gently. He said, with love and kindness do I draw thee. He deals with us gently. He doesn't rule with the iron fist like that. So he wants you to know that you are accepted, that you're worthy, and that you're loved. And that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that will qualify you to stand in the presence of God. It's not by works. Don't get it twisted. And don't let anyone tell you it's by works, right? Because once you put works in the equation, the grace is now gone, which is the empowerment to live for him. We can't live for him on our own. It has to be an empowerment of the Holy Spirit that come in and do the work. That means that I'm going to tell you what this looked like in real time. So let me keep going. So another thing he wants to highlight is the spirit of religion is more focused on Old Testament teachings, mainly scriptures of God's wrath. These spirits will love nothing more than to unleash a spirit of fear. To make you think that God is going to come down and he's going to strike you down and he's going to just turn to flip you upside down. That is, not the, that is not the love of God. That is not the grace of God. God says his grace is sufficient. And then it highlights, uh, that spirit highlights another thing is the absence of God's grace and mercy, which I just talked about. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That means if I mess up, God says, come back to me, son or daughter, and get right back in line. Just repent and know that I love you and let me correct you and let me just envelop you with my love and show you what a real father and what a real brother is. Okay, a love that sticks closer than any brother, right? A friend that sticks closer. He can be your everything, right? And then it's works. I, I mentioned that already. Self-correction instead of grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do the work to help you. That spirit of religion likes to highlight works. It likes to highlight do, 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 do. Stay, 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 stay in this. Walk in a straight jacket. Do this. And while we are to not... I'm not saying it's a license to sin by no means, but we have to know that the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, it has to count for something, guys. Come on now. It's the blood of Jesus. It's not by works. So then he highlighted to me fear-based teachings, okay? Being saved to escape God's wrath and hell versus giving your heart to the Lord based on love, all caps, of God. And the shed blood of Jesus. Again, being saved to escape hell versus this is what the spirit does. You better get saved or you're going to hell. Versus showing the love of God and the grace of God, right? And the blood, the, the blood that was shed for your sins. Jesus' blood overrides all this. His blood is, is powerful, right? So there is a difference. Escaping hell is just a byproduct of being a citizen in the kingdom of God. It's a benefit. So it's not the reason to come to God, but it's a benefit of being in the kingdom of God. Now you're, you're accepted in the kingdom of God and you're going to heaven and you have eternal life because of the blood. The blood of Jesus is going to be fo the focus, guys. The blood of Jesus. He died for that. You can't just remove that from the equation. The spirit of religion like to duplicate themselves. You see this in the way people dress, the no makeup, the long skirts, the men that are ruling with the iron fist when they preach and when they try to keep you in the straight and narrow. Um, this is this. It has an outer appearance, right? And it's what they focus on is a holiness movement, right? Their mannerisms are all the same because you have to remember, even though it's a different person, it's the same spirit behind it. So all the spirit does is take form in different people that open up their hearts and their minds to receive the demonic spirit of religion, right? They rule with an iron fist, not loving kindness, because God says, with loving kindness do I draw thee. 
Hear me and hear me well when I say this. There is no gospel without repentance, but there is also isn't a true gospel without grace and the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach, which is Jesus himself. Yeshua HaMashiach is his, word in he is his name in Hebrew. Jesus, there is no gospel, Jesus says, without repentance, but there is also no gospel without true without the grace of God and without the blood of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. True Christianity is based on salvation by grace without confidence, with, with confidence in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. True Christianity. So the spirit of religion likes to exempt that, right? It likes to remove that. It likes to tell you that you have to do all of these things to earn your place in the kingdom, to earn, to earn, to do, to do. When that is a lie from the pit of hell, and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. So again, you show me uh, 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 somebody that's preaching, but they have no love in them for people. I'll show you where there's an absence of Jesus. <laughs> because Jesus died for people. And if you ever really want to know how he feel about people, look at the cross and look at what he went through. That's how much he loves us. He stepped out of eternity into time just so he can come down and be touched with the feeling of our infirmities and to identify with what we go through. That's love. Okay? The next thing I want to deal with in this, um, uh, the next bullet point is going to be false teachers. And he really had me to go in on this one. False teachers. And then I'm going to bring this to you in a way that really hasn't, you know, I haven't seen really taught, you know, the way, you know, people think, okay, you're missing a word or you give a wrong date. That's a false teacher. But I'm about to go in in a way the Holy Spirit has given me, okay, that I don't, I haven't really heard people teach. False teachers is another bullet point. And what God began to do is he took me directly to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter, Peter chapter 2, because see, we in the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 2, and it directly ties with this prophet Balaam, right? Which is in Numbers 22. Don't, do not think that God's silence means that it's an approval. I want to say that. So false teachers, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So God judges the motive of the heart and not the outward appearance um, of accuracy, right? He judges the motive of the heart and not the outer appearance, not the accuracy. Let's look at, let's get into it. God looks at the motives of our hearts for evidence of righteousness in our hearts. Our motives reveal who we are living for and the things we care about. When God searches the heart, he can see the why behind our thoughts and our choices. The Bible tells us that God judges the intents of the hearts according to Hebrews 4 and 14. Now, as you see with the, the prophet Balaam, he is later identified as a soothsayer according to Joshua 13. Balaam was a wicked prophet in the Bible and it's noteworthy because although he was a wicked prophet, he was not a false prophet. You better hear me and hear me good. This is Balaam. You know, Balaam that is did not hear, Balaam did hear from God, right? He did hear from God and God did give him some true prophecy, prophecies to speak. Hear me guys. However, Balaam's heart was not right with God. And eventually he showed his true colors by betraying Israel and leading them astray. So the prophet Balaam, if you go to the book of Numbers, you'll see in Numbers 22 and 24, we find the story about Balaam and the king of Moab and the man called, ba and the king called Balak. King Balak wanted to weaken the children of Israel who on their way to Canaan had moved, hear, hear me, wanting to weaken the children of Israel, God's people, right? On their way to Canaan and had moved in on his territory. Balak sent to Balaam, who lived in Mesopotamia, along with the, along the Euphrates River, right? And asked him to curse Israel in exchange for reward. Balaam, of course, had no power in himself. 
to curse Israel. But if God were willing to curse Israel, Balaam would be rewarded through Balak, the king Balak. God told Balaam, God told Balaam, hear me. And he, he, is a, he is a prophet of God, but he was a wicked prophet. And, it's, and he was accurate. Hear me, guys. God told Balaam, you must not cur put a curse on those people because they are blessed. How many of you know that whatever God blessed, the enemy cannot curse? I don't care because the, the Bible says the enemy, he goes to and fro to seek whom he may devour. And he goes to and fro in heaven to, he is the accuser of the brethren, right? But when God has pronounced a blessing on you, hear me and hear me well, the enemy can't curse it. The enemy has to get permission from God to do everything. So let's look at why God even allowed this to happen. This is really good because we're going to see, see something here. It's a correlation, right? So if, if, if you look at the prophet Balaam, Balaam would still get his words from God but his heart, again, we go back to the motive. I always talk about the motive and the intent. Because you can be an accurate prophet, but a wicked prophet. Right? Because your motives ain't right. And even though God will still use you, hear me and hear me well, God will still anoint people. God put anointing on whoever he pleases. Because if you see in, the, in, the, in this story in Numbers 22, this is where the donkey was talking. Well, the angels of the Lord were standing there with his sword drawn, ready to kill Balaam. And the donkey kept stopping and Balaam kept beating the donkey. Kept saying, why does donkey keep stopping? Because he had not seen in the spirit realm where the angels of the Lord was waiting to smote him. But God then opened Balaam's eyes and allowed Balaam to see that angel standing there. And Balaam then jumped, you know, got down and repented because he knew he was doing wicked deeds, right? Hear me. So this story goes on to talk about how he was doing things for reward for if he had cursed the children of Israel that the king Balak would have rewarded him. So he would go back to God. Think about this. Wicked. Doing things. But God knew his heart, right? And asked God, could he curse these people? God's people. And God said, no, these people are blessed. You're not cursing them. And you can go back and tell King Balak that they are, they are blessed. So let's get into it. So we go back and he said he asked him to curse Israel in exchange for a reward. Balaam, of course, had no power in himself to curse Israel. But if God were willing to curse Israel, Balaam would be rewarded through Balaam. God told Balaam, you must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. King Balak then sent other officials more numerous and more distinguished than the first because he wanted them people cursed. Promising a handsome reward to Balak, right? The prophet Balak. Th this time God said, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So he told King Balak to go with them, right? The next morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and left Moab. Numbers 22 and 21, God sent an angel to oppose Balaam on the way. The donkey Balaam was riding could see the angel, but Balaam could not. And then the donkey three times moved to avoid the angel. Balaam was angry and beat the animal. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. Hmm. This is why we're not in control of anything. If God can speak through a donkey, guys, come on now. He can protect you. He can bless you. And when you're blessed, no man can touch it. The enemy cannot touch you. So hear me and hear me well. Even though the enemy wants to pull you off track, he wants to instill fear. He wants to pull you into another direction. God says, do not touch my people. And this is an hour and a season where you have got to know how God feels about you, how God loves you, and how God wants to empower you to walk in his best. The blessings of the Lord maketh us rich and it has no sorrow to it. So even though the enemy may come to steal, kill, and destroy, God said, I came that you may have a life and have it there more abundantly. You got to know in your knower. You got to know in your spirit who God is. And you got to know whose you are. You got to know where you're from. The kingdom of God. A citizen of the kingdom. Hear me. Because this is going to help free a lot of people from fear, from worry, from distress. From anything that the enemy has tried to throw at you. And even if it has been spoken through an accurate prophet. 
Hear me, guys. Hear me well. So God says here, so in Moab, King Balak took the prophet Balaam up to a high place. Doesn't it sound familiar when Satan took Jesus up to a high place and said, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world if you bow down and you worship me? So he, the King Balak took prophet Balaam up to a high place called Bemoth, Baal, and told him to curse the Israelites again. Balaam first offered 14 sacrifices on seven altars and met with the Lord. He then declared, now see, you got to know the correlation. He's still going back to God. He's still getting his information from God, even though he's dealing wickedly with King Balak. He's still going back to God his, the, for the source to, to try to curse these people, right? God's people, I should say. He then declared the message God gave him. He had to declare what God told him to say, a blessing on Israel. This is what God told him to say. How can I curse those whom um, God has not cursed? This is what Balak is saying, the, the prophet. How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So King Balak was upset with Balaam and pronounced a blessing on Israel rather than a curse. But he had him try again, and this time from the top of Pisgah. So he's just keep, he keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going, right? So he received another commandment from God to bless his people again. And he said he cannot change it in verse 20. Okay, Numbers 23, verse 1. He said, I cannot change this. God is saying to bless these people, right? So King Balak told Balaam that if it was going to keep blessing Israel, it was better for him to just shut up. <laughs> but the king decided to try one more time, taking Balaam to the top of Peor, this time overlooking the wasteland. Again, Balaam offered 14 animals on the seven newly built altars. Then the spirit of God came on him and he spoke his message. The third message was not what the Moab king wanted to hear. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwelling places, Israel. Balaam's three prophecies of blessing on Israel infuriated the king of Moab, who told the prophet to go back home with no reward. Now leave at once and go home. And I said, I will reward you handsomely, but the Lord has kept you from being rewarded. Before he left, Balaam reminded the king that he had said from the very beginning, he could only say what God told him to say. Then he gave the king four more prophecies gratis. In the fourth prophecy, Balaam foretold of the Messiah, a star will come out of Jacob. Now he prophesied about Jesus now. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Balaam's seven prophecies were seven blessings on God's people. Hallelujah. It was God's enemies who were cursed. So how many of you know God will be an enemy to your enemies? That what the enemy meant for bad, God will make it work for your good. And the trap that the enemy has tried to set for you, God will set for them in the name of Jesus. And I just decree and declare over you that you are blessed and you are not a cursed people. Because God has set us up to be, a, to be blessed. We are the Israel. We are those people. And if God has blessed you, no one can curse you. So... However, later on, Balaam figured out a way to get his reward from Balak. So this man, this prophet had a wicked heart. So even though God was blessing the people, you would think he would say, hey, I'm not touching that. God said these people are blessed. But instead, he found another way to get his reward from Balak, the king Balak. Balaam advised the Moabites on how to entice the people, entice the people of Israel with prostitutes and idolatry. Hmm. He could not curse Israel directly, so he came up with a plan for Israel to bring a curse upon themselves. Hear me and hear me good. If the enemy can't curse you directly, he will get you to self-sabotage your own blessing. What that would look like in this day and time, doubting God, unbelief, what that would look like, not repenting, not walking in things that God has not told you to walk in. So he looked to entice the people of Israel with idolatry. How can you entice people with idols? Materialistic things is an enticement. The wealth transfer, enticing you to worship that instead of the God who's given you the wealth transfer. Come on, Holy Spirit. So if he can't get you to, to, to 
the enemy to curse you. He will get you to self-sabotage, to entice you with things, materialistic things, with people, idolizing people, idolizing titles. Come on, somebody. Hear me when hear me well. Because God had me to go in on this one. Idolizing people, idolizing titles. Instead of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we worship the gift and not the giver of the gift. We bowing down to prophetic words. Come on now. We better bow down to Jesus. Come on. Hear me. So if he can't get you to be cursed, he can entice you with idolatry and prostitutes. Come on. Sexual sin. Hear me. So they fell into sin worshiping Baal, right? And committing fornication with Midianite women. For this God plagued them and 24,000 men died. It's vitally important that we stay on that street called straight. Not as in walking in a straight jacket straight, <laughs> but as in knowing the grace of God that empowers you to walk in love, to walk in humility. Balaam's name and story became infamous and he is referred to several times in the New Testament. Peter compares false teachers to Balaam who loved the wages of wickedness, according to 2 Peter 2 and 15. Jude echoes this sentiment associating Balaam with the selling of one's soul for financial gain. Jude 1 and 11. There's that number, 111. Finally, Jesus speaks of Balaam when he warns the church of Pergamum of their sin. There are some among you who hold the teaching of Balaam. Remember this in, in the book of Revelation? Who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality. Revelations 2 and 14, guys. Satan's tactics haven't changed all that much. If he cannot curse God's people directly, he will try to backdoor approach and idolatry and sexual immorality are his go-to temptation. Again, there is no temptation that has seized you except that which is common. That means his, his tactics ain't, ain't something different. Common to man. But when tempted, God will provide a way of escape for his people, which is his word, his will, and his way. He would give his angels charge over you to bear you up, lest you dash your foot against that stone, guys. But we have to want it. We have to want it and we have to know how to not worship the gift, but worship the giver of the gift and keep first things first. Wisdom is the principal thing. What does principle mean? Principle means first. That means first things first, get the wisdom of God. It's free. Any man lacks wisdom, he give freely according to the book of James. Ask God for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And all thy getting, get understanding. Because the discretion and the understanding is what's going to guard your heart. And how do you know? Because the peace of God will rule in your heart. Why would God allow Balaam? This is, this is what God was saying to me. Why would he allow Balaam to hear from him and be accurate? But is still found to be a wicked and operating in the spirit of divination. Because remember, he was also referred to as a soothsayer, even though he was accurate in getting his information from God. Hear me. He caused the people to stumble. He found a way. The gift of God, God says, is that without repentance, right? According to Romans 11 and 29. What does that mean? When God said the gift of God is without repentance, because we have to know that just because so, somebody is blessed in the spiritual gifts, prophetically have a prophetic anointing, they walk in miracle signs and wonders, they walk in all these gifts. The gift of God, the Bible says, according to the book of Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, is without repentance. That means God's gift and his call are irrevocable, meaning without repentance. That means, you know what that means? Not to be revoked or withdrawn, not even to be regretted. So God doesn't repent or regrets from giving you a gift. Why? Because before the foundations of the world, God knew you, right? And before the foundations of the world, when you were born, right? You were born with gifts. 
So that means God does not take them back. He does not regret giving you those gifts because he has a purpose for your life. But we have to know how to separate the gift from the character. Those are two different things. And I had to learn that. Because you automatically assume because somebody operating in spiritual gifts that their character is in line with that. But those are two different things. Balaam was an accurate prophet, but he had a wicked heart. His character was wicked, but he was still getting his information from God. You might say, well, why would God even be bothered with him? Why would God even allow him to do that? So with our repentance... This not, okay, so this is how it works. Without repentance, this does not refer to man but to God. It does not mean that God confers his favor on man without his exercising repentance, but that God does not repent or change in his purposes for bestowing his gifts on man. What he promises, he will fulfill. What he purposes to do, he will not change from or repent of. As he made prom promises to the fathers, he will not repent of them and he will not depart from them. They shall be fulfilled. And thus it was certain that the ancient people of God, though many of them had become rebellious and had been cast off, should not be forgotten and abandoned. This is a general pro proposition respecting God and one repeatedly made him in the scriptures. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Shall, it not, shall he not do it? Had he not spoken it, should he not make it good? So think about it. If God took your gifts back, then when you do get saved, all your gifts are gone. He got to give them to you again. Once God, uh, the, the king issues a decree, once the king does something, he doesn't take it back. And you have to know that about God. So your gifts are still with you. It's up to us how we choose to use our gifts. We can use our gifts for the glory of God, or we can use our gifts for the world or for the enemy, which is the God of the world. We have a choice, but God is not going to take them gifts back just because this is why you have psychics. This is why you have people operating, and I'm going to deal with this in a second, manifestation, witchcraft. We're about to deal with this stuff because it's a lot of us in the body of Christ that are co-mingling with the enemy, and they're dancing with the enemy and sleeping with the enemy, and that is not God's will for our life to do that because we have we think, as a man thinks, so is he, right? We think that this is okay and it's not okay. So why would God allow Balaam to do this? Let's go back to that. God tests the hearts of those he sent to speak on his behalf. Hear me when I say this. I just said this in another video, right? I said this in another video about the wealth transfer. I said, this is a test. This is not only a test, we would like to put it on the people of God more so than the leaders of God. But the leaders are held to a higher accountability, you guys. The word that comes to, through us to you guys, it comes to us first. I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I was in, a, um, um, in church, in the ministry. This was years ago. And I had just got, gotten up um, to minister deliverance, a message, right? I minister deliverance. And soon as I got ready to sit down from doing that, all that deliverance, the prophet of God, because we operated in prophetic and it was some seasoned prophets. And we're going to talk about being under seasoned prophets and getting your prophecies judged. That's vitally important. Otherwise, you will take heed lest you fall. It's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God, baby. Ain't no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. It's a time that God will give you to sit under leadership. And I'm telling you right now, you can't just sit anywhere when you have a certain type of call in your life. Because in order for me to understand deliverance, I had to be under a ministry that did deliverance. It's not enough to sit in a church and the church don't operate in deliverance. The church don't understand the prophetic. If you have a, 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 a leader of a church that is not operating in the gifts of the spirit, I'm not talking about a good preacher. I'm talking about they have to understand and know how these gifts operate because God would never absurd authority. So you would never go as high as your leader. Hear me and hear me well. In order for you to uh, get your gifts sharpened, in order for you to learn these things in the prophetic, you have to immerse yourself in a ministry that is with well-seasoned people that have been walking with God for years and understand how the prophetic anointing, how the uh, fivefold ministry gifts work. Otherwise, you are pretty much a loose cannon. 
And you have to submit yourself, not just to any authority, but to a seasoned uh, body of believers that understand how these things work, that have already walked this thing out and that have experience in the prophetic anointing. I had to, God, when I tell you I was in the school, do you understand what I'm saying? When I first got saved, he not only had me move out of two, one, two, he had me move out of two churches. The first church didn't operate in anything of the fivefold ministry. The second church did. The pastor had a prophetic anointing and it was good for what I was in there for. But then he had me to move again. And this time I went to a pro apostolic prophetic house that it was seasoned prophets, 20, 30 years my senior. And then even after I left that house, I still went to another house that did deliverance and that taught you how to actually use your prophetic gifts. They've known all, they known all over the United States for their teachings and how they do live activations to show you how to minister deliverance. It's not just to sit back behind a computer screen or sit back and take a class that way, which that that's okay. But they were actually having you with partners and having you to, to do the prophetic and speaking the prophetic and get the gifts of speaking in tongues. And they even had a prophetic first of the month where you would go and get a word of the Lord for your life. And then also they would have conferences that would help you and have classes that would help you. And you got certificates and you were able to prophesy and to really walk in your gifts. And then if that wasn't enough, he had me to walk with a, a seasoned prophet 20 years, my senior for three years, Elisha and Elisha. And then if that wasn't enough, I've read over 200 books on spiritual warfare and deliverance. When God first told me I had a deliverance mantle on my life, I had I, the first thing I did was not only prayed and, and, and sought God about it, but he began to have me to get books. Oh, come on, somebody. You have to get your gifts sharpened. It's not just about reading the word of God because there are things that God has placed in people that you need. If they have written books on this, if they have walked this thing out, their experiences, nothing would ever take the place of an experience of, of, of people learning how to hear God and how to move and operate in the spiritual prophetic anointing. So if God has called you to this, it's your responsibility to start to learn about what he is telling you your calling is. If he's told you to be a watchman on the wall, I got books on the watchman. I got books on spiritual warfare and deliverance. Come on, somebody. And so we're going to deal with this, right? We're going to deal with this. <clears throat> so God come to test. This is why God would allow these things to happen because it's not just a test for the people. It's more so a test for the person who's saying it. The other video that I did and I came and I, I apologized and I repented for <clears throat> giving like incorrect information, right? That's a test of character, that's a test to see if you're going to sit in pride, right? If you're going to sit there in pride and still make excuses for what, for what you didn't do right or for God is looking at a heart. He's trying to circumcise your heart. The sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite spirit. The sacrifice, y'all think it's money, y'all think it's doing, God wants to see a, a, bro, a heart that is a flesh, not only a flesh and word only, but in flesh when things happen, you are uh, in a position where you humble yourself and you not only repent, and sometimes that means you have to repent to people. It's not just go behind the scenes because what God is trying to do is trying to cut off that spirit of pride out of us. Because a lot of time pride tells us, you know, we want, we want to make excuses for the things we um, do, but that's not the case all the time, right? That's not the case. Anytime there's no excuses, you repent and you get back in line. There's no condemnation, but people are so they more concerned about their image. They're more concerned about how they look to other people. Come on, somebody. They're more concerned about what people going to say than they are about all of the people that have led astray because of what they did. Come on, because God is <clears throat> more concerned about his people than about your reputation. But the enemy will have you to, 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 to take on that thing of pride. So God tests the hearts and the minds. And I said all of that to say when I got through doing when I got off, when I got through doing the deliverance I minister and deliverance, guys. When I got through doing that, 
the prophet of God said, I got a word for you. And she took me right back up there to the altar. And then she said, did you not think a test was going to come? A test when you started uh, ministering the word. Did you not think a test was going to come? And then God told me a test. He was getting ready to take me through a series of events. And I'm telling you, there was a stripping. A stripping. I went through a period of how many years? From 2009 to probably, I would have to say, this thing went on for nine years. I lost everything I had. It was not because of a crazy lifestyle. I was walking with the Lord. But God had to, God comes, when you give a word, God comes for that word. There's a test that's coming for that word. And the test took me through a series of events in, over the years. Lost everything. Parents died. Daddy died. Two years later, mama died. Lost my house of 10 years. Lost my job of 11 years. Lost my marriage. Foul bankruptcy. Couldn't get a job to save my life. Put in over 200 applications. But God had me in a place. He wouldn't let He wouldn't let me go. He did a work, a circumcision. I had to live from place to place. I was going from California back to Atlanta, back to Chicago, staying with people. Now, you got to understand I'm a very stable person financially. And that was stripping of pride. Because why? For the greater call. Mm. You better hear me. But it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. I was the Joseph. Went, I was, went from this all the way down. All the way down. Started me from the bottom. From $5 an hour, guys. All the way up. $10, $13. I wish I can tell you I sold the seed. And everything just changed. Like people want to, sometimes people, the, the, the prosperity gospel. But that was not my, that was not the road that I took. Although I have sown thousand dollar seeds. Hear me, hear me well. <laughs> that, this is why I say there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. There are no shortcuts, guys. You have to be processed. God will take you through a refiner's fire to test your heart because he's given us a big responsibility in speaking over his people speaking over his people right that's huge you're accountable for souls huge he don't take that lightly and if you think the test is not coming think again i'm not talking about having a few hard rough times and all of that i'm talking about a test come on somebody Attests, multiple, multiple seasons, different seasons, different seasons, different seasons. So 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, and 5, though it was written to Christians, right? God tests our hearts. He wants to know, to find out, to see for himself through the circumstances that he creates or allows to occur. Because even though sometimes it's not God sent, it'll be God used, Right? So if the enemy brings it, God would use it and work it for your good if you allow him to. If you allow him to. But you have to be positioned correctly. Not to say you're not going to be frustrated. Not to say you're not going to be angry. Not to say you're not going to be upset and you're going to ask why. Let's be transparent. This stuff doesn't feel good when we go through the things. This stuff doesn't feel good. I'm going to be real. I had a lot of questions. My sister told me, why don't you just curse God? I mean, not, not curse God. She said, why don't you just ask him why he's doing this? Why don't you just repent? Why don't you? I said, baby, I done it all. But he got me in a place. He got me in a place. And he's not letting me go until he's done doing what he wants to do with me. It was no job that I could apply for. Everybody turned me down. I stopped counting after 200 and something. And the only reason why I kept up with it is because the emails would come. The emails would come. And I started counting the emails of the turndowns. Overqualified. Oh, I'm not hiring her. She's overqualified. Or, or, or we, we just hired somebody else. Or they'll hear my voice and hear I was black. And then they'll, they'll, they'll take another position in another direction. That happened as well. I'm keeping it 100. Because this is going to help free a lot of people. And you can't help someone unless you identify right? Sometimes we have to, God will take us through the trenches to use us and raise us up to be a blessing to other people. And I know this message has gone a long time, but it's so needed, guys. 
So the sacrifice of God is a broken and contrite spirit. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew the right spirit in me. Don't cast me from your presence and please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted and returned to you. Rescue me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will sing joyfully of righteousness and of your justice. Lord, open my lips that, that my mouth may declare your praise for you do not delight in sacrifice or else I would have given it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. My only sacrifice and acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin thoroughly. Oh, such God you will not despise. Let's deal with the spirit of double-mindedness. It manifests itself in, in false humility, right? And multiple personalities. I've seen this. People tend to take on whatever uh, personality uh, based on the climate of the room instead of being having their identity in Christ. But the Bible says that our identity, right, is wrapped up in Christ, right? Um, it says here, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you to a prophet of the nations. Our identity is found in Christ, but we are royal priesthood, a chosen race, right? According to first Peter two and nine, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who have called you out of the darkness into your marvelous light. Second Corinthians five and 17. Therefore, if anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and the old things and behold, things have become new, right? Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. John 1 and 12, okay? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Our identity is found in Christ Jesus. So the spirit of double-mindedness double like to manifest in false humility, multiple personalities, Rejection is not just a demon, but it's a personality. And it often begins at the very young age. The enemy will send an assignment on you at five years old to keep you messed up until you're 50. But the devil is a lie. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came that you will be free indeed. And the spirit will manifest itself, right? Of, of through, through your parents sometimes, through adoption, through peers, through social rejection, through rape, unwanted child, children, right? Middle children, family rejection, abandonment, defective children, parental neglect, overbearing parents, or perfectionist parents. Its roots is rejection, okay? We see this, <clears throat> and look, guys, if you haven't gotten this book, it's amazing. It is the Apostle John Eckhart, and I'm looking at it the wrong way. Apostle John Eckhart, the Deliverance Manual. You got to get this because it talks about all of these different spirits that manifest itself through the spirit of double-mindedness. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Some, your perception is your reality, whether your perception is good or evil. It's your reality. But God came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So spirits that manifest through double-minded personalities um, is worldliness and carnality, according to James 4 and 1 through 10, unbelief and backsliding, according to Hebrews 10 and 38, cults, witchcraft, and mind control, according to 2 Peter 3 and 16 and 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 20. Unstable people are attracted to cults and legalistic ch controlling churches. Because they are looking for identity. But your identity can only be found in Christ. When a person don't have identity, they will find one by getting with what they consider a special group. This is why some people, kids, teenagers join gangs. They look into be accepted. They look into be a part of something bigger than themselves. When really Jesus Christ is the only answer. But they don't know that because some wasn't even raised to know God. But God says today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. That he wants to come in and start with you and be your father. That he wants to be a friend that sticks closer than any brother. That the blood of Jesus uh, 
it will free you from past, present, and future sins, that you are cleansed if you have received his blood, that you are worthy. He has accepted you into his arms. He loves you with an everlasting love. The lack of deliverance in churches, hear me and hear me good. They will find themselves under control and unstable with false leaders who are also double-minded. So you can be under a leader that has not gotten any deliverance. There's a lack of deliverance in churches. It is the reason why there are so many unhealed, double-minded people. And this is out of the book that I'm t telling you guys about. So many leaders are ministering or, or have, uh, have churches and they have not been delivered. If you're a leader and you have not been delivered, you need to get deliverance. I'm here to tell you, there are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God because whatever is in you, you're going to project on others. And if you think you don't need deliverance, then that's one, that's one, that's a whole nother situation. We, we really need to repent. The lack of deliverance in churches is the reason why there are so many unhealed, double-minded people, even among leadership. Gifting is not only the only requirement. Character is paramount. We cannot allow confusion to run rapid in the body of church, right? In the body of Christ. Overcoming double-mindedness. How do we do this? Don't just tell me what I have. Tell me how to overcome it. So we overcome double-mindedness, right? Through repentance, through forgiveness, through renouncing occults and altars and demonic altars that have been set up in your life because you have allowed things in that wasn't of God. Overcoming double-mindedness through faith. How do we do that? We esteem others. We consecrate ourselves unto the Lord through confidence, through flexibility of the Holy Spirit, which religion doesn't allow you to have that flexibility. So we need to come from under that religious spirit, right? Heart for God and his people. Love God, love people. That is the fulfillment. Because if you love what God loves, you're going to do what he's saying. You're going to bless people. You're going to forgive people. You see why love is the fulfillment? Because when you love people, you forgive. You bless them. You put, your, you put them above you, right? Self-respect, virtue, wisdom, vision, submission to God and leadership, and to much more. Acceptance in the beloved according to Ephesians 1, 4, and 6. You are accepted. It says, for he, has chose, for, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Jesus took our rejection so we didn't have to be rejected. And the last but not least, guys, I want to deal with the spirit of manifestation, that culture of manifestation. This is going around on the Internet. People are saying, oh, I manifested this car. I manifested this house. I manifested these things. Oh, guys, look, um, the, the, what is it called? The, the secret book or the book of secrets? Stay away from it. It's not of God. It's witchcraft. Manifestation is a replica and a counterfeit of what the word of God says. God says, chop the head off. Rip it up from its foundation. It's a counterfeit of the word of, the word of God and the kingdom of God. Also, it manifests itself in meditation, self-promotion, pride, which is Leviathan, that strong man of pride, that python constrictor. It manifests itself in self-promotion, pride, works, and the flesh. The Bible says, according to Galatians 5 and 19, that witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Anytime you self-promote, right, that's not of God. Because God says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from him, you can do absolutely nothing. So if we think we're doing something within our own strength, once again, here we go with the works. Now we, we enter in witchcraft. Manifestation, manifesting, manifest. God says in Galatians 5, the acts of the, acts of the flesh are obvious. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, for those of you who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So, we have to know that we need to stay as Christians, as a body of believers, away from these things. God is not pleased with it. He said, rip it up from its foundations, renounce it, repent, 
get back in line, his grace is sufficient for you. God is able to make all grace abound because where sin abound, grace abound that much more. Where sin abound, that means God says, I can empower you to walk with me. I can empower you to live live the life that you have been called to live through the Holy Spirit, not by works, lest any man should boast. You will not be able to say you self-promoted yourself when God is filling you with the Holy Spirit and when he's guiding you and leading you into all truth. Okay? So, um, we just want to be aware of that and... Um, I'm just going to cut it off right here, guys, because we, we have been going and going and going. But, you know, God says, don't indulge in the things of this world. Okay? So just be blessed and know that God wants you blessed. And I pray that this message has freed you. I pray that if you have found yourself in this word, that if the Holy Spirit is nudging you, just repent. Get back in line. He loves you. The, the, the sky ain't going to fall out on you. <laughs> But I'm just here to tell you that God loves you and he wants you to walk in the very best. And he wants you not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices, but be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Continue to walk in him, move in him and have your being for we have the mind of Christ. You are the head and not the tail above, not beneath. And I don't care what has happened to you as a child. I don't care what has happened to you. You are a workmanship created in Christ Jesus. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and walk and move in him and have your being, walk in the peace of God, let it rule in your heart. And I just pray that the Lord will send angels to minister deliverance, to minister healing, and to minister the blessings of God in the favor, uncommon and exponential favor of God on your life. And I release that in the name of Jesus. Until the next time, guys, like, comment, share, and subscribe. I will see you in the next video. Bye, loves.